Hello and welcome to a special Two for Tuesday edition of Phoenix Foundation. You'll still be getting your regularly scheduled episode review this Friday, but today we offer a special bonus interview with the assassin himself, Anthony DeLongis. As of this morning, the following interview has been spliced into our review of Season 1, Episode 22, but we're also making it available as an a la carte mini-sode for a limited time to those of you who've already heard our thoughts on the full episode. Without further ado, please allow me to present Part 1 of our conversation with Pietro the Assassin, Anthony DeLongis. First of all, I just wanted to thank you so much for speaking with us today. In MacGyver's first season finale, you played world-class assassin Piedra. Did you audition for that role? I did, actually. And uh, it, it was, well, as I said, it's one of my favorite roles. It uh, allowed me to combine, you know, both a, a great character, you know, and then come up with some good action, which we uh, you know, most of which we kind of created on the spot. Um we, uh, because we could, uh, the the director liked my reading, and he said, "Well, I, I've got to have a guy, to, you know, you know, do all these things and be believable and this and that." And uh, <laughs> so I proceeded to go through a few, uh, you know, moves in the audition. Um, sure. And I guess he was convinced uh, <laughs> that I could play the role because I got to. Yeah. I was very happy about that. Yeah. In uh, in your first confrontation with MacGyver in that in the clock shop, there's a fairly brutal fight. Did you do all your own stunts for that scene? Yes, yes, I sure did, uh, including going um, going through the back of the uh, uh, the big clock. Yeah, some breakaway glass on it, and uh, you know the um, I I wasn't doing as many stunts per se in those days. Uh, I was doing lots of action because uh, I started as a theater, you know, I started Shakespeare. And uh, some of my first uh, oh, breaks in, uh, you know, you know, in the business were um, you know, choreographing uh, action for. Um, well, I did uh, Richard Chamberlain's Serenade on the Bear Track. That was they'd seen me uh, working down at the Old Globe Theater. Oh, okay. Audition. In addition to getting played to be called the Valver, I I got to train Richard Chamberlain and choreograph him. You know, for the Duel of Rhyme, which. Uh, Got great reviews, uh, and, and Richard did a perfect job. And then the following year, uh, I did the Scottish play with Charles uh, Hepton, and also choreographed that uh, and performed with him. Uh, so that was uh, that was that was fun. I had done, uh, you know, I'd, and I, you know, it's 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 a lifelong. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've been studying Lady Luck for forty four years now in county. Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer and Edgar Houston and, you know, a long list of other 
<laughs> other things. <laughs> yeah, you, you said before you had done uh, whip training for Harrison Ford on uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I wondered if you could describe that experience a little bit. Uh, well, it was uh, it was good fun. I had, uh, I created a more efficient, more effective, more visual, more compatibly viable system of whip work. Sure. Uh, it's been, I guess it's been about 70 years now. And I, uh, but I had the opportunity to train Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Oh, okay. And that was all, all Michelle. Um, none of the, none of the stunt girls, even Kathy Long, world champion kickboxer, got anywhere near Michelle's ability with the whip because she saw I was trying to give her another vocabulary, you know, to help tell the story. Sure. And, yeah. Sure. She reaped a lot of benefits from it. It, it grounded her and, uh, you know, help give her a fluidity, which was no small, small feat because she was working in three to five inch heels all the time. Sure, yeah. Uh, so that's that was where it started, and I continued to develop. I continue to do it to this day. Uh, but uh, I had got my materials to uh, the producers for Crystal Skull, and uh, one day I got this call from Harrison saying, uh, "Oh, guess we better get you to come in here and uh, you know." You know, brush up my skills. Uh, <laughs> you've seen what I did. Uh, I have I have a structure that's very different. Most people yank and slash, and uh, my you know my unique rolling loop style actually stabs. Uh, so it is more uh, it is more accurate. It is much more efficient because uh, I'm using the structure of the whip to do the work for me. Sure. And then uh, and it's, it's also a lot more visual. And I I, I look on the whip as a uh, as a blade. weapon skills, do you think you would make an effective assassin? Uh, well, I, I think a lot of that's the mindset. Uh, you know, I, I, I do have some skills that uh, I hope I never have to actually utilize. But uh, I, What I do like to do is I like to train to be able to actually do something. So, for example, uh, not only, you know, uh, 
Well, I, you know, I can, and I regularly do. We just got back from uh, Las Vegas where we were teaching master classes of whip, and I was also uh, teaching knife and uh, cane work and stuff. Uh, but I could take, you know, I take targets out of my wife's, you know, fingers and mouth and then do body envelopments from eight different angles. And, and then we do it with fire whip, which is uh, really cool, which is last week and then, uh whole uh, firework sequence for a music video, which is there, which is really kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, but I can also do that on horseback. Uh, I take targets out of my uh, partner's fingers as we pass, uh, you know, full speed at the gallop. Uh, wow. Did that a couple of years ago for uh, more extreme marksmen on the History Channel, which you know, keeps airing, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, and then we went, well, we know we can do this, let's add it to our live show, so. Last year when we did the Night of the Horse at the Delmore National Horse Show, you know, we uh, you know start with targets, uh, handheld targets that we cut as we pass on horseback in the ring. You know, chase down a guy on horseback and cut a target out of his hand with a whip and then do a head-to-head pass before moving into swords on horseback and then <laughs> finishing with our synchronizable whip tango. Yeah. Anybody who wants to go to our website, you know, they'll be able to find all this stuff. Sure, well, and we'll put a link up on our website, too, so if people want to check it out. Great. Um, do you happen to remember where the church scenes for the assassin were shot? Oh, golly. Uh, I would be guessing. Uh, I, I want to say Glendale, or uh, it's local, of course. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, well, it, it, MacGyver started here uh, before it moved up to Canada. And I, yeah. I was lucky enough to go up there and, uh, you know, do the double episode uh, Lost Love with uh, Alyssa Davalos. She was uh, playing, she was the actress playing, you know, his Lost Love. And, uh, that was that, that was good fun. Um, did, do you have any other fun memories from the set of either your, your first or the two-part Lost Love episode? Um, well, a, I, I have wonderful memories from, uh, oh, golly, the, uh, you know, the Piedra episode. Just every day going to work was a joy because, uh, you know, we were, um, you know, we were kind of creating things on the fly. You know, I had a good time with my character. I pushed showed up, I doing my line. Uh, but, you know, Richard's fun to work with. Uh, he's very hands-on, so, uh. You know, we we were actually uh, you know working. You know, we, we worked at our uh, you know our choreography. Uh, uh, you know, they said that Judy was the coordinator, and uh, you know he's pushing stuff at us. But you know, he certainly do do Richard. Richard's very athletic. Richard's a hockey player. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of fun. So he's not afraid to mix it up. And uh, <laughs> and you know, I, uh, I I won his trust very early on. So you know, two of us worked really well together. Uh, actually, the uh, one of the last sequences, uh, I'm throwing this bat spinning hook kick that uh, it looks like he catches him in the side of the head. Oh, yeah. um, before I knock him down and I run, you know, and then I run and he pulls up the hose that I trip over and then fall onto my needle. Uh, you know, which is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm hoisted on my own uh, tiny little pointy guitar. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, it uh, it was fun because you know I, you know I threw the kick and I actually put it on the shoulder, but the way the camera angle was, it looked like I'd hit him right you know right in the neck. Yeah. So it was it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and then uh, that which actually kind of brings up something fun. Uh, they had said that you know he got Curare and uh, you know uh, you know that you know that I, I was poisoned by needle. 
And at the time, um, <laughs> computers were kind of in their infancy, or a little, a little more so. Yeah. Uh, personal computers, and I kind of went, "Well, wait a minute, you know, uh, okay, if I if I die, you know, uh, how do I die? You know, what what exactly does this do?" So I wanted to look it up, and I actually uh, called the studio because you know, Tales of you know Studio Backlot and reference libraries, et cetera, et cetera. You yeah. Know, golden Age. I thought, oh well, I'll, I'll call some studio. And they basically didn't have anything for me. Um, you know, they, I think they phased out that department or whatever. So uh, I, I did some more research on my own, and I discovered that what what Curare does is it paralyzes the intercostal muscle, so you can't breathe. Yeah. You, know, you can't draw breath, so you essentially suffocate. So it gave me something more specific, and I tried to you know give that that sense. It definitely comes across that you're struggling to breathe. Your face is getting dark red, and you're choking. And yeah, I, d- I think it definitely works with the Carrari. Good, yeah. But uh, but it just gives me a. It, well, thank you. And what, what it gave me was something more specific, and not just you know a general kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, the the lesson here being, you know, uh, continue to learn stuff because it's only going to you know invest your. Uh, your your portrayals with you know with with uh, more credibility and uh, don't depend on somebody else to do your job for you. Do your own damn research. Yeah, yeah. And I, I often appear on shows, uh, you know, because of the different digital skills I've uh, developed and continue to develop. You know, I'll come in as an expert on uh, you know more extreme marksman. I did a couple with Danny Lee Ermey on Lock and Load. I guess shooting live ammo from the back of a galloping horse. He had to be fun. It was. And, oh, he's a hoot. Uh, and he actually, before I started to work with him, I, uh, you know, I, I looked back up uh, you know, his soliloquy from uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. You know, which is, hey, it's kind of like American uh, Shakespeare. I mean, <laughs> just so eloquent in it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he had a great sense of humor. We got along really well. And, you know, uh, and a lot of other different shows. Uh, Figures and 101 weapons that change the world, and blah blah blah. But it, uh, you know, they'll always go you know, and the deadliest warrior for, uh, as an expert on season one, and that just Spike found it impossible to believe that somebody could be an expert in more than one area. So I <laughs> uh, ended up coming in and supplying the uh, weapons testing courses in, uh, for season two and three. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I continued to have a presence and a contribution on the show in that. End. But um, they, you know, they would come up with, uh, okay, here's, you know, here's kind of information on your weapon, and, and I would thank them very much. But I had already done, you know, uh, uh, research of my own, and <laughs> I always found things that were beyond the, you know, the simple. Well, let's go to uh, Wikipedia, just regurgitate what it says. Yeah. As my, as, as good a reference as that is, uh, my wife. peer review on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, sometimes you've got, you know, a uh, world-class scientist, you know, uh, commenting, and sometimes you've got some guy in his basement, you know, kind of going, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's it's functions of, you know, uh, you know brainwaves. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little trick that I learned very early in my career. Uh, 
a set if you uh, keep your eyes open and your mouth shut, you know. And uh, um, one of the one of the things that you know that I've had, you know, bite me at the bottom a couple times. So you will try to get as much coverage as you can from a scene, and uh, you know they'll they'll shoot you know they'll shoot their masters or they'll shoot their over the shoulders, or they'll shoot their close ups, you know, et cetera, et cetera, a combination of things. However much time they have time for it. Uh, a lot of it depends on, you know, how confident the director is, in, uh, you know, in his ability to, you know, shoot both story and, and action. And some, some are really great at one and not the other, you know, the rare, the rare talents are good at both. But the point of this being, uh, you get a lot of footage that most of the time in episodes of television, you, uh, you may not be in the editing room. Which yeah. means you know you 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 have an editor who makes decisions, uh, and of course they're very much character and story decisions because what the audience sees is what they <laughs> you know what they base their uh, you know their commitment to the, the story, you know, if you will. Uh, you know, using one shot over another shot can can make a tremendous difference. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so <laughs> I've I've watched uh, you know. Uh, uh, very veteran directors do what they call editing a camera, meaning I'm only going to give the editor exactly the what shot I want to see. I want him to have, <laughs> so that he can't make the wrong decision. Because you know, I I have done shows where uh, you know I did some really great work, uh, and I do there with these good shots because I always ask the camera, "Where are you?" So that I know yeah. I know how to make the uh, you know the the lens and the camera work for me instead of fighting it or doing something stupid and careless and, and ruining a shot. Um, and just going, I know we have better shots than that. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, there was, a, there was an episode of something called, uh, uh, you know, Conan, uh, the adventures of Conan, whatever shot down in Mexico. And we had, uh, you know, worked with a fellow named Ralph Muller, you know, who was very nice. He was like Conan. Uh, came in and he and I put together a uh, a very good sword fight that actually got applause from you know, the crew. Which <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good sign. Yeah, they don't have to. And uh, when I when I came around to doing some uh, ADR, it you know got into a couple lines they didn't get, and I found out that you had to dub every line on the show. It was like this is weird. They were the second season, but they were doing all of it. You know, I went well. I get having to do an exterior, but why are we why are we dubbing interior shots? Your sound should have been good. Well, they were next to like this deep locker, you know, which uh, it's just they were out of phase with whatever the light of the electrical system was, so the, the sound was always terrible. Oh. And kind of going, you know, I again, early in my career, I went, oh, you know, I had my performance and I was so wonderful. <laughs> At least you think so. Uh, and uh, you know, now I've got to go back in and try to both match the performance and the movement of my lips, huh. which which is uh, which which is actually a skill. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and, and then I went, okay, wait a minute, this is a mindset. I have a second opportunity to bring something forward. There. So that's how I tried to look at it. But the last thing you want to do is dub every line you've done. Sure. But anyway, I went in to do a uh, you know to all my dialogue, and they uh, said, "Did you tell what the fight looks like?" You know, since we're at this scene anyway. And I looked at it, and I had uh, you know 
when I choreograph, I like to put together the idea that when good and evil finally battle, they're very evenly matched, that the hero has to dig deep. You know, it's like, for example, in MacGyver, you know, uh, MacGyver is losing to them. Yeah. You know, and, and he, he's outclassed, he's outmatched. Uh, but, you know, he is so uh, innovative, you know, he makes use of what's available, which was the hose on the ground, and he trips. Uh, and, and in this in this case, uh, but I just kind of go, you don't have much of a hero if you don't push it. You know, if he doesn't have to rise to the occasion, it's yeah. just kind of like, well, it's his show, so I guess we know he's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, in this instance, uh, what had happened was they had, uh, it's called cutting on the action fire. You know, every time, you know, they, they, they would cut to something. It, it makes it very difficult to follow the narrative of, of an action story because you're, you're not really seeing all of the parts put together to, like, like a sentence. It's like you're getting every third word or something. Yeah. And worse, that, you know, when in doubt, they constantly cut back to, you know, Rolf, Star. Um, and I just kind of went, who approved this? It's all oh, the producers, you know, just, and it's, uh, it, it's a way to go where, you know, you're always featuring Star, which, of course, territory. But if you do it at the expense of, you know, the jeopardy that was within the action, of course, the story, yeah. uh, then your hero, you know, suddenly becomes kind of, he's, he's weakened, you know, and it's it's just, it's foolish. So it, it, it was another sample of, uh, I kind of wish they didn't have so many choices to make that would have had to use the little... <laughs> a little more in-camera uh, editing on the one. same thing. I had to me saying hi to partner Jet Lee uh, for... Uh, Certified fearless. Um, it's actually cool because they've been all over the world finding you know, fighters you know, to you know, do that final sequence against the uh, Caucasian, you know, the evil repressive uh, Lilas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun, and I got along very well with Janet with Yankee uh, Pink, right? one of the most famous action directors in the world. Uh, it was, I, I. Well, there's a couple of stories there, but uh, one of which was I watch. I was watching him shoot and going, "Oh, he's editing in camera." <laughs> Even though he's going to get to, you know, be in the editing room, he's shooting this because only he really knows, you know, uh, yeah. the, the shot he's going to use to make this work. And uh, it was, it was just kind of fun. But yeah, they, uh, you know, they were they were choreographing me like I was using a Chinese sword. And I'm kind of going, eh, this isn't what I would do with this weapon. But they also thought that Western sword fight, sword fighting looks like what they see in the movies. And uh, Yen Wuping actually took my sword and, went and pumped his arm and went, pokey, pokey, pokey. And I went, oh, God. <laughs> he thinks that's what, you know, that's what he's used to seeing. Yeah. And so the first three moves that choreographed for me were pokey, pokey, pokey. And I went, oh, I'm going to give you three for us, but I will not pump my arm. Stupid. <laughs> Uh, and after we got through the first, uh, you know, the first take, um, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm here to motivate Jeff's incredibly cool moves. Uh, you know, so they're having me attack the quadrants, which I went, okay, because it, it, they were, they were working very, very fast. They were like five days behind. I caught up on three days and the two half days of filming we did, which was very, they liked me. <laughs> and, um, it was, it was very, very cool. But, you know, I, I, I asked, can I, you know, can I'll still do, you know, the attack you want me to do. Can I get there at this manner instead of that manner? And I guess one of his team uh, had said, you know, who's choreographing this? Us at the Glywell. And, 
and Wu Ping said, this Guaylan knows what he's doing. So uh, after that, we, 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 things went very, very smoothly. And we had a grand time. <laughs> um, what has been your favorite challenge in the course of your career? Something that they asked you to do that seemed impossible, but that you were able to pull off? <laughs> Getting my next job. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, it never seems to end. Uh, I find the more I can do, the you know, the more I work, which is why, you know, I work in front of the camera as an actor. Uh, I work as a voiceover artist. Uh, I did a game called uh, Red Dead Redemption. I play, uh, you know, one of the leads of that, Marshall Lee Johnson. And it was a motion capture, so yeah. it was like doing a Western, except you were in a silly suit, balls on. Uh, you know, shank balls so they can't compute it and pick it up. Uh, yeah. I did uh, another thing called uh, Bulletstorm, you know, where I had that guy and that. So I do that, and then I, uh, you know, I come in as a weapons specialist, uh, and, you know, I'll come in and basically be a stuntman doing fights, or uh, come in as a fight coordinator or a weapons uh, specialist to choreograph, you know, things. so and then you know and then people come to uh, train with us at the ranch, uh, or I'll go to train with them depending on the, you know <laughs> if the studio's paying for it. Yeah, yeah. But um, it uh, you know it it, it it keeps me uh, sharp and viable. And, you know, it keeps uh, it kept coming in to pay for our four horses. We we have uh, uh, our ranch is called Rancho Adalo. It's uh, when I worked in Spain on a series called The Queen of Swords. The Indalo is a, a, a symbol of good luck and uh, good weather. It's, it was a cave painting found, uh, I don't know, second or third century, I think, in Almeria, Spain. And my wife and I always said, you know, if we get our ranch, you know, that's what, that's what we call it. Our ranch actually is top of a mountain just north of L.A. that uh, it looks like southern Spain, the view off to the left. Oh, that's, that's great. Much, it's uh, very much of home. And we have uh, we have an on-site gun range, we have a range, we have an archery range, we have uh, incredible cross-country riding. So, you know, if you ride is not a good place to learn to ride, but if you have solid basics, I can tell, you know take you to the next level. And then there's all the weapons that I teach, and uh, and it's just a great place to come. Uh, either if you're a professional to train, or you know, if you've uh, always wanted to live the fantasy, you know, we can. Uh, Put together a, a syllabus and make it a tremendous uh, act, you know, action vacation for you and your significant other. So, yeah. Uh, tell your people to uh, look us up at www.belongsis.com, B-E-L-O-N-G-I-S.com. Sure. If they want to come and, you know, train to be Zorro or Robin Hood or, uh, you know, anybody else they can pay, they can dream up. We can... We can we can give them a uh, you know a weekend or uh, you know however long. Sometimes I get people uh, will come for you know, like five days or you know, a week. We get the Australian Stunt Academy who come in every year for the last nine years. Huh. And we get a whole group of people. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Do you have a favorite weapon? Uh, I well, the whip and the saber. Uh, my favorite sword is a saber, although I'm probably. Uh, I'm a black belt and an instructor at Shinkendo under Kaisotoshi Shiro Obata uh, and my sensei Matthew Lynch. Uh, that is Japanese swordplay. Uh, Kurosawa films are what got me into choreography in the first place back in the 70s. Yeah. 
and it's I've now come full circle and I'm studying the true art, which is uh, it, it's kind of fun. I like the verisimilitude of that. <laughs> I, I will be doing this for the rest of my life. So it's a terrific art, but uh, I've always liked the saber, um, uh, both the both for work on the ground and on horseback. Uh, you know, it's just it's a very very versatile weapon. And, uh, um, the saber I'm talking about basically kind of went unchanged uh, from the time of Napoleon on up through uh, and earlier, but especially Napoleon to World War One. Yeah, that. And then of course uh, the whip, which I I, I created something new uh, and more efficient, um, and more accurate, and more effective, and more visual. Uh, with a tool that's 5,000 years old, uh, the whip dates back to 3,000 BC in the <laughs> Chinese and Egyptian cultures, and uh, which means it's always historically correct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every culture that ever domesticated animals has always had some form. Very yeah. few films take place longer than 5,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just, uh, I, you know, I keep trying to. Uh, encourage people to uh you know hold this in unfortunately most people uh you know you know <laughs> uh I, I like to get involved in a project as early as possible because i can make suggestions and offer things that's how i got the job for training michelle pfeiffer they had to come in uh, oh and i met jim burton uh, uh and they were going to use a cat of nine gales and i you know the coordinator was so only that's clever i said well you know I would advise against it because all you can really do is pose with it and hit things. And it has a lot of baggage because it's a punishment whip. Yeah. But a bull whip, you know, has all of these possibilities. My demo matter. And then Max took me to, uh, to Burton and to uh, Michelle, and they loved it. But, and that was what I, I trained her to do. That's great. Uh, much, much more interesting. What would you say is the most unusual weapon you've ever wielded professionally? Oh golly! Uh, <laughs> Anything strange or rare, or um, I'm actually pretty comfortable with most things because the longer I study, the more I see the concepts and fundamentals that connect the uh, the arts. Uh, as I said, I, I look on the whip as a supersonic telescopic blade, so it's not as strange in my hand as it is to most people. Sure, it was, you know how I was able to conceive. Uh, you know, of my system because I don't, uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't look on it the way other people do. You know, I was, I was re, uh, I was re-examining it to, uh, you know, what, how does this actually work? How can I make it work more efficiently? You know, how can I get the two of us working together? Because any weapon you pick up has to be an extension of, you know, your will and your skill and your personality. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, it, it, everything's an inanimate object picked up. Um, most actors, usually through lack of training, are fighting with their weapon. You know, it's they have this adversarial relationship, which makes them less effective, less credible, and a whole lot more dangerous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> than everybody else. Um, I could now make a weapon out of opportunity out of pretty much anything because. I have a structure, you know, that comes from all of these different systems that I've studied. Uh, you know, and, and when I go into, you know, train uh, either you know, uh, actors or stunt professionals, I kind of 
have broken it down into a structure, you know, for which I go, okay, this structure is in anything we pick up, and even and if we have nothing, it's still there. You know, the uh, you know these elements. Um, so, uh, and helping people see the big picture, you know, helps them not to get lost in minutia. Uh, you know, because whenever you learn something new. You always spend ten times more energy than you need, and in all the wrong places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of fun. But uh, I'm trying to think offhand. Uh, uh, I've, I've had some, you know, difficult weapons to work with when I played golf. I, I played blade. I played golf masters at the first, and uh, the weapons that they made were kind of big and clunky, especially golf. You know, event sword. Buick Slayer. It was uh, it was it was massive. Yeah, and uh, they uh, and just 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 kind of difficult to work with. Uh, so and then uh, mine, I had two swords, uh, not a little better balanced, but still pretty hefty. Yeah, and then I was wearing the chain. I was wearing full surgical. I was wearing a surgical rubber bodysuit. Uh, I would pour the sweat out of my boots that oh. they literally expected to be efficient. And uh, the chain mail that they made for me, you know, they didn't, they didn't have the fine, you know, more balanced, lighter weight stuff uh, available back when we did this 26 or 7 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I forget. Uh, we just had an anniversary a little while ago. But uh, I was 10, 6 foot lengths of pipe cut into quarter inch pieces. They never would tell me how much it actually weighed. But yeah. they, you know, they put on 50 or 60 pounds of uh, <laughs> chain mail on, which is, uh, made movement difficult. Yeah. And then I ended up doubling uh, Frank Langella at the end because Dolph didn't trust it. Uh, you know, so I was doubling Skeletor for the final fight. Huh. And I put together this, you know, He-Man sword versus Skeletor's power staff. And I said, well, I'm going to be in this wardrobe, right? So I, this gives me the ability to wield this staff. Uh, you know, around my head and do you know do various separate moves that uh, uh, would make something really cool. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right before we shoot, they go, oh no, no, wait, this is this is after he's had his transformation. So now I'm uh, wearing a helmet, which means I have no peripheral vision and I, I really can't see anything below level with my nose. You know, and and I'm in his boots, which are leather soled. We've got this uh, oily film all over the set because yeah. of the smoke that they're using. Uh, but worse, I've got this uh, crown on that looks, it's like a cross between moose antlers and the New York skyline. <laughs> so all of the stuff going around my head is now possible. And of course, this all happened, you know, literally almost moments before we were about to uh, shoot. Going oh great, we choreographed this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then not change it so much that golf won't be able to remember what the choreography is. So that's kind of the it, it's it's been less a matter of having to use awful things and more a matter of uh, I know we told you this, but it's now it's this. I, yeah. uh, I did a I did a movie called Secondhand Lions where. Uh, I did all the flashback swordplay for Michael Caine and Walter uh, Scott. I worked for Walter a bunch of times. Actually, Walter was the coordinator on Masters of the Universe, <laughs> which was great. And uh, they, uh, I trained uh, Christian Kane, who is uh, you know terrific, uh, terrific actor. He uh, he was on uh, Leverage. 
uh, and uh, now he's on the librarian. My wife actually worked on Leverage. Ah, so I, I played the butcher of Kiev there. It was fun because I trained it for uh, Second Alliance, and then he recommended me to come in and uh, play this role, and they they needed someone to, uh, it was in season one, to give him his credibility as the biggest badass of the team. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, uh, and so, you know, basically we had this idea that it's two characters that are so evenly matched, nobody could get the advantage. Yeah. And we were we were working on a, on a location uh, in somebody's kitchen, so we couldn't break anything. Um, so uh, you know, I had this uh, you know I, I was supposed to pull a butcher knife from the you know the kitchen block, and uh, uh, you know he was. <laughs> I, and I went, well, if I'm the Butcher of Kiev, I probably have a distinctive weapon. So I had my buddy make me a cleaver the night before Dave Baker of uh, Hollywood Combat Center. He lives here on the mountain with us. Yeah. He's been making my weapons for years. He made all my weapons for uh, the Queen of Swords from in Spain. But so he made up a cleaver. So I have this cleaver and I bought a butcher knife. And the one piece of choreography was Christian had to disarm me with a whisk. A kitchen whisk. That was <laughs> the joke at the writers. But we uh, fought all around the kitchen. It was a spy phrase fight. Uh, I like to go with phrases and, uh, uh, because it tells a story, you know, and you get to see the, you know, how evenly matched we were. And that's what it was. We kept, you know, losing, exchanging weapons and going back and forth with nobody being able to quite get the advantage of lots of jeopardy for the hero. And then finally rises to the occasion and triumphs. Uh, not unlike the MacGyver fight. Yeah. And it was really cool. And we had a five-phase fight. And we shot it as a master every time. Not very many actors could do that. Kudos to Christian. But uh, it, was, it was really great. But I trained him for uh, second-hand line. And uh, we had a whole section where, uh, you know, I, I, had, I had trained him. And the coordinator, Walt Scott, you know, said, yeah, this is good. This is what the director said he wanted. And, uh, you know, we come, we come to the day, and it's a location where that they'll free these girls, you know, from flavors of, you know, it's multiple opponents. And I get there and I go, this is not what you said it was going to be. I'm <laughs> thinking in my mind, I see there's four cameras and there's one, you know, on an elevated crane and everything. And then suddenly there's all of these, there's, you know, there's tents and there's cook fires and there's extras and there's camels. And there's just, it's like, and, you know, the, it was choreographed so that, uh, he would be working his way through all of these people, yeah, uh, in multiple, you know, combinations of two and three, and uh, et cetera. And then I went, okay, he's not going to be able to do that. He's going to arrive, so now everybody has to come to him. And I said, give me five minutes. And I said, remember the thing I taught you when we were training? Because what I like to do is give people a, you know, a vocabulary and a structure when I train them, and then we can actually create things on set if we need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it really paid off here because I said, okay, that thing I trained you, this is how we're going to finish. It's going to be a double weapon. Yeah, you know, I'll have two swords, you'll have two swords, uh, you know. And just prior to that, you will have gone through your combination as we rehearsed. But in here, you will, as you take care of these three guys, you'll disarm the last guy, which gives you a second sword. Then I'll leap in and we'll do our thing and you'll kill me and that'll be the end. Uh, so we... Uh, we rehearsed it and we shot it twice and we were done. Uh, That's awesome. It's that case of like, Oh my God, you've painted me into a corner. And if I try to make what you have told me it was going to be work, uh, we'll be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
it's sad that we we actually you know finished early because it was a split day and we're going to go to a night shift. So, uh, but that's 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 what you can do if you train and also you kind of go. Uh, I always have a plan B. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny earlier you said uh, in regards to you know uh, wielding a, an unusual weapon. You you made the point that you could basically make anything into a weapon. And I feel like that that's what makes you the perfect anti-MacGyver <laughs> is that he can make anything into a solution and you can make anything into a weapon. Yeah, actually it was a great carry. And I kind of wish we had the chance to do it again. Uh, and it was, it was perfect for, uh, you know, the Piedra character because it, you know, the writers were very clever and, uh, unfortunately they chose the right guy to do it. So. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was all about, you know, I've got this needle under my fake scar and I'm going to make a blowgun out of my paper cup that uh, just throws his pee or, yeah. <laughs> you know, just kind of, yeah, okay, I'll just set my disbelief for that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I want to thank you again so much for speaking with us today. Um, was was there anything else that uh, you have uh, on the horizon that you'd like to let our listeners know about? Oh, golly. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, I've... Uh, I've got a Western trilogy that uh, I'm doing called Blood Trail, and I've got the first two chapters, and I'm uh, trying to finish writing the, the third one and you know, get the funding for it so that I can turn this into a feature. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, there's a couple things on the horizon, but, you know, uh, we'll see. You know, there's, <laughs> as I used to say, I still do, I guess, that, uh, you know, if promises were riches, I'd be catching diamonds. Uh, <laughs> so we're 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 waiting to see how many of the things that are supposedly going to happen, you know, will actually uh, uh, have some substance to it, so that I can go to work. Sure. But in the meantime, uh, you know, I I, I continue to train, I continue to hustle, and I continue to teach, and uh, uh, always looking for a good role and a good project. So keep my name in the wind. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's it really has been a pleasure speaking with you, and I appreciate you sharing your time with hey, us today. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, you know, uh, my cheers and respects to your to your listeners, and uh, I hope they enjoy this. If you ever want to chat again, let me know. Sure. Thanks so much. All Thank right. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we'd like to thank Anthony DeLongis again for sharing so much time with us. Uh, you can look forward to part two of that interview when we get around to reviewing season three, episodes one and two, Lost Love. Stay tuned this Friday for our review of season two, episode five, Final Approach. Thank you for listening.